back, everyone, to the Ableton Music Producer Podcast. This is Dan Giffen. Today, I'm excited to hang out with my new friend, Eloise. She is very well known in the European house and techno scene, based in Berlin at the moment. Uh, she's from Australia and has played a lot of high caliber clubs and festivals all over Europe and all over the world, really. She's been featured in articles by Mixmag and many others. She also did a video series called Link Up with Beatport. She also coaches for women and non-binary people in electronic music production. She obviously uses Ableton Live. Uh, we have a good chat today. We talk about the different studio gear and synths that she uses, how she got into Ableton Live. We also talked about how PTSD affected her music production and what that looks like. Super fascinating. We also talk about what it's like running her label Night Tide and Bermuda series, as well as some of her go-to workflows in Ableton Live, devices, plugins, effects, etc. It's a great episode, so sit back, relax, enjoy. But before we jump into today's episode, I have to give a big shout out to the sponsors Melodics. If you haven't checked them out, go to melodics.com, download the desktop app, and it's a great way to practice your skills finger drumming or playing scales. Uh, there's a lot of great lessons in there that you can practice and learn from with a wide range of genres. So check that out. There's a free trial. And if you want to join their monthly subscription plan, I highly recommend it. You can use the discount code LPO-20. That's LPO-20. Save 20% on their annual subscription plan. Totally worth it. I highly recommend. If you could do me a favor, wherever you're listening to the podcast, just hit that like, subscribe, follow, comment, whatever. It would really help me out. And if you want to be the first to get new episodes, join the newsletter, and I'll send you some other Ableton Live tips and tricks and things along the way. You can join at liveproducersonline.com slash newsletter. That's liveproducersonline.com slash newsletter. Big thanks to Emma, a.k.a. Eloise, for joining the podcast. And yeah, let's dive into it. Yeah, I get a lot of update pop-ups on my Mac. It's kind of annoying. Always on. I feel like I always shut off the notifications, but they keep coming. I don't know. Totally, how, but, totally. I'm like, yeah. no, I don't need to know that. And then it like pops up again the next day. Was- Where are you, Steve Jobs? We need you. Come back. Come back to us. I mean, he's like in some like crazy computer memory somewhere, surely. Some kind of like AI yeah. upload. He's, I think he's probably frozen with Elvis yeah. somewhere, like in a yeah. vault. Yeah. No. I'm glad we finally got to connect. I'm sorry to like um, push it back again tonight. No, 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 no. Like... I'm so glad you did. My brain doesn't usually turn on until 11 a.m. anyway. So okay. I'm really thankful that we pushed it back. Yeah. Thank okay. you for that. <laughs> awesome. I like your studio setup. You got a lot of keyboards, a lot of good synths. Yeah. There's lots of like bits and pieces. It's a bit chaotic at the moment. I've got um, on the other side, there's like a live desk. I've been kind of amassing things. I sort of didn't realize. Um, realize it's gotten yeah it's gotten to be quite a lot over the years Mm. um and I sort of thought about it recently because we're thinking about maybe going back to Australia for a little while um really was that COVID and living with two children (laughs) under four in a one-bedroom apartment with no family yeah that makes sense although like I heard COVID in Australia is pretty crazy right now Adelaide where I'm from doesn't have any COVID um, and quarantine when you've got a big backyard is like just seems so much less daunting. I've got two boys yeah. and they're like very 
Um, on the gender spectrum, they're very classic boys. So <laughs> they really need the outdoors and like activities and stuff to do. And last year we spent seven months in the apartment and every time someone at the childcare got COVID, it, we would be shut in for two weeks for quarantine. And um, it was mm. just a lot. So I've been very like triggered the last few weeks with the weather changing. So yeah, let's but, see. but um, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very, very expensive right now. And you have to pay $3,000 to do a hotel quarantine when you get there, which is not really like sensible or manageable for us. So, wow. but they're looking at maybe changing that. That's um, wild. So any, anybody coming into Australia, then they have to buy their own hotel and quarantine themselves for like two weeks. Is that right? That's yeah. wild. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. And um, like little kids, like children is like, I think 500 or a thousand each, but um, yeah. yeah, adults is three and See, that doesn't they're make only sense. letting like a- That doesn't make sense to me though. Cause like, no. I'm not a scientist or a doctor, first of all, but I'm, really? it, but like, you know, if you're staying in a hotel where there's probably yeah. a lot of other people who are also quarantining yeah. like that, I feel like you're not helping anything. <laughs> no, they had a lot of other, they had a lot of problems with them in the beginning because they like just didn't think about ventilation being a problem and yeah. that people are breathing in all the same air. Yeah. But now they have like medi hotels, which are sort of especially, um, yeah, like they've got the right ventilation and this and that. Um, mm. It's just, it's just the Australian government is being super rude. Yeah, they're kind of crazy. Like, I've seen stuff. <laughs> well, like Australians are not allowed to travel. Like they're not allowed to leave yeah. their country, like, which is like crazy. How did, or why did you move to Berlin in the first place? And I guess how long ago was that? Um, so I moved in 2013 and the two summers before that I'd spent here. And I, um, I just fell in love with the city. I really, I'm from Adelaide, which is like a small town. Well, no, it's a million people. It's a small, big city. Yeah. So, um, and, but it's like really slow paced, really relaxed. And then I lived in Sydney and it was amazing for like the culture and the music scene and, um, what I could do, but it was just way too fast for my nervous system. And I just like was stressed all the time, um, and had a bit of a, like a nervous break kind of. And I, but Berlin was like, I came here and everybody was relaxed and nobody's working too hard, just enough to like float their hobbies and their passions. And yeah, it was just the perfect mix of like size of city and tempo and energy and culture and music and like yeah. government and everybody really values like electronic music um, mm -hmm. as culture and dance music as culture, which is not necessarily the case everywhere. Berlin is like really special for yeah. that. Um, oh, yeah. And I mean, it's changed a lot in the last, you know, 10 years, of course, as everything does. But yeah, um, yeah I had a really good time here in the beginning. And, and it makes sense yeah. for your genre as well. I mean, Berlin is kind of like the techno mecca, right, of the yeah. world. Um, what's the what's like the house techno scene in Sydney or Australia in general? Um, Australia, it definitely has a like a dance music scene. I think it sort of... Um, little like sub genres kind of bubble up and there's, it always just depends on like the crew that's living in a certain city at a certain time. I mean, Adelaide is particularly transient because a lot of people leave town, like leave to go to Melbourne or Sydney or one of the capitals to do whatever, like career job or um, yeah, to do, to explore, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's like a beautiful place. It's, there's a few like little hubs for like great house music 
but yeah, it, it you know the um the like the diehard fans sort of like come and go and then move away and come back and and it sort of seems to change with with that. I mean, Melbourne's always had a really good scene. It also depends on um what the current laws are with drinking and and it can be quite restrictive with lockout laws and various things in in New South Wales. I've finally gotten rid of those, so I think some more stuff will start bubbling up there. But yeah, there's always there's always something going on and um some great locals and I guess it's just also at the mercy of how expensive internationals are. I think one of the things that appealed to me about being in Europe was that you would have internationals. I mean, in Berlin, you have them every night of the week or you used to like people from overseas because they can just get a train from all around Europe and it's yeah. really, really convenient. Whereas in like Sydney or Melbourne or Adelaide or wherever, when someone comes to Australia, you've really got to see them because yeah. it's you're on one an night. Island in the middle yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so far to come and the visas and they're like, everything's very expensive. So yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, for people who maybe don't know you, I'd love to get to know you a little better. Uh, how did you get into music production and specifically Ableton? This is the Ableton podcast. So um, maybe go back, back to the days, the early days. Way back into time. Um, yeah. I did classical music in school and I was an instrumentalist. I played woodwind, um, saxophone mm. and clarinet. And love saxophone. And stuff. If I had to go yeah. back in time, sax would be the thing I learned at a young age for sure. Oh, yeah. I don't know anybody that doesn't love saxophone. It's like the sexiest instrument. I don't care who you are. Like <laughs> it is. It's just it's true. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I felt like it kind of had its day. Yeah. So I did that. And then I sort of got like, yeah, overloaded with the kind of classical training and this and that. And I went and studied engineering at university for a few years and then was working on a door of a nightclub. And eventually pieced together that um, I could do audio engineering and have like science and maths, which I really loved and music, which I really loved in like a happy little bundle, which um, hadn't been introduced to me earlier, sadly. And then I did a course at SAE. Um, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. And I did the, I did a short course in electronic music production and thought that was very cool. And then I did the, some certificate in audio engineering with technical production or um, similar and during that time I'd started DJing and Ableton my first time using Ableton was making mixtapes I used it like to make kind of like weird mixtapes and um, mixes for friends birthdays and things I remember one of the first ones I did a friend had like a glam rock themed party and they wanted a mix because this was like pre-Spotify kind of playlist era so um yeah, yeah. I did a lot of that in Ableton at first. And then um, I started producing in Ableton. I worked in Pro Tools before that for like audio stuff, but Ableton's always been my main music production software. I tried Logic for a little while and then I, yeah. <laughs> really? I didn't ever get, I didn't ever get there with it. I, yeah. Yeah. I think Logic's like come a, a long way now. It didn't totally. used to be, you know, anything that great in my mind, but now it's, I think it's definitely stepped up quite a bit. Yeah, there were some people that I wanted to collaborate with, like some friends when I was learning and they were all doing logic and I thought I'll teach myself logic and I did it and I, it was fine. But yeah, no, Ableton just um, for me has always felt more like. Um, yeah, it's intuitive makes maybe. Sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. it is. I mean, it's scary at first and then once you get over that little hump, it's kind of smooth sailing from there. So you moved into Berlin, you said what, 2000 and like 13 or? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> You've been there ever since. So yeah. 
like what has been the biggest advantage to you of moving to a, a scene where there's like a really thriving community and culture? Like, what have you learned from that? Cause a lot of artists, a lot of artists end up making that jump, like at some point who really want to go for like their music career, they'll like move to a bigger city where there's a market. There's a lot of stuff happening. Honestly, for me, um, Oh, that's, that's tricky. The first thing that comes to mind is, was the affordability of the city actually. Um, because in, in Sydney, for example, it's so expensive just to like pay your rent and to you gro- do your groceries and whatever that like, you have to really hustle quite hard or I did anyway <laughs> to like yeah. make all the ends meet. And I was DJing like four or five nights a week. And that didn't leave me with much energy or like wavelength to write music and work creatively especially with my ears because they'd be just so tired yeah um yeah so Berlin being so much less expensive um just gave me the opportunity to have the time to work at it you know and like yeah just just do it just actually do it because I had a lot of like dreams and aspirations and then I just didn't ever like sit down um with the computer and like get to know it all and get it all going so that would be the first thing and the second thing I think um I love to make things that um like I love to test things in the club like I love to make things that I can play and I love to play things and see how they work on a dance floor or for an audience before they're finished like before I put Mm. them out out and Berlin is so like vibrant and eclectic that you can really test anything. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah, I think yeah. um, when like I knew Australian dance floors so, so, so well, I was like sometimes a bit nervous to test something out because I think, oh, you know, like maybe this like the breakdown's not something's not going to be right. I could already like I already had this like anxiety that um, it wasn't going to work. And I think that inform some of my production decisions whereas in Berlin it's like well whatever you know and if it's something really weird I'll play it on a radio show or, or something <laughs> else and there's just so many more opportunities to um for me to experiment and I know that's probably like something in my own mind and a hurdle I could have maybe gotten over with like more therapy but <laughs> but, yeah. but it was like yeah it's it's easier in Berlin to just um for me anyway, it was like a clean break and I could start, I started the Eloise Monica. Actually, I was working as something else in Australia and just really got a clean slate with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That is like the moment of truth in your life as an artist or DJ is when you have like an unreleased track that you test down the club and you hear the subs and they hit just right. That's like the best feeling in the world. Or if, or if like the opposite (laughs) happens, you're like, oh shit. Well, definitely going to transition out of this as fast as possible and going to go back to the studio and fix all that right now. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I joked with the guys from Craigie Knows, the label guys that did my last two albums, um, that I need to do like some studio sessions with someone like the old school dub guys from the UK, like some people that really know how to handle sub and bass because that's yeah. often my problem honestly and that's why it's really important for me to check it in a club yeah and I just or I like roll it off and sort of like this is not a very professional um <laughs> attitude but I'm like okay that's like that's too low just a little high pass filter mm, just, mm, yeah. mm, and a bit of like a visual eq like spectrum job to make sure that it's like nothing like wild is happening yeah might yeah break things oh um, definitely so. I've been going a lot deep oh you're fine sorry I'm just gonna grab my water oh you're cool 
Okay, sorry, go on. Now you're good. I'm editing all this. If you need a bathroom break or whatever, it's like a coffee shop hangout. I've always have coffee on hand. That's nice. I actually, yeah, I got some somewhere, but I am decaf. Um, no, but yeah, sub dialing in sub bass is a tricky thing. I've been really going deeper into like trying to work with phase in the low end. That's something mm-hmm. I really neglected a lot. I think in my earlier days producing is just, um, just really dialing in phase is something I think that's really important to a lot of people kind of overlook. And there's a, there's a phase plugin I found recently. I don't know if you have any like plugins for phase that the you flux use. tool. It's not, no, it's no? like a mega phase. It's by Schultz. It's a Ozillos Megascope. Schultz Audio. Ozilla Megascope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this okay. thing's really dope. Um, it's pretty okay. detailed. All right, I'll Eight. have to check it. Yeah. I had like, oh, I had a really embarrassing problem with um, melodic parts on one of my records. And when I, the mastering engineers, like the, the, the vinyl cutting, like master, the last step master, they're like, there's problems with phase in like all of your melodic parts. Like they just disappear. Do you know that? Is that uh-huh. intentional? And I'm like, oh no, no, that's not. And I like, I, I always used to check everything in mono. And then at some point I got out of the habit of doing it and I was yeah. like, what on earth has happened here? <laughs> and it turned out I had this like Apogee, um, duet, um, sound card and I just put my Juno in and I'd accidentally turned on the phase flip um on one side that you do if you need to like record drums or something so Mm. all the melodies that I recorded for like a year were phase like oh no uh, phase cancelled yeah phase cancelled and I was like oh my god and (laughs) some of the sessions were like a few years old because you know how it is it takes ages for something to get released and yeah. So I was going back trying to find the session. Oh, no. And then that's why I started with this. Um, it's it's flux. There's a flux. Flux capacitor. Mm, yeah, no, it's flux. I don't know. They do it's I think it's just called flux stereo tool or something. It's a free one. And luckily oh. it you it can phase flip one side and it also like checks your phase. So I have that on my master channel always now. And it's like has a really clear visual thing and you can phase flip oh, stereo man. tool v3, I think is the newest. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. This looks cool. Yes. It is must must get, <laughs> and I think there's a free trial. Maybe it's free. Oh, it is. It's, it's free. all free. I it's love just free. free forever. My favorite well, price until they until they change that. But um, it's right. been free for a while. That's cool. Yes. So phase. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your struggles. Uh, that's that definitely has happened to me before too. Um, yeah. Mono, definitely important. Everybody listening, yeah. if you're not doing it, do it. Yeah. Uh, pro tip by Emma. Yeah. yeah the other, the other, <laughs> the other thing, sub pack. I know I've shouted, shouted them out on this podcast too many times, but um, it's, I love my sub pack. I don't know if you've ever played with one. No. Uh, do you know what it is? No. No. Yeah, Enlighten uh, me. Well, I can actually show you real quick. It's like a little, it's kind of hard to see. Do you strap to your chair? It's hard to see because it's a black chair right. too, but yeah. it's a, basically a speaker. And okay. I think it, I think it only plays below like 250 hertz. Okay. But um, you actually feel the bass on your chair, so you can really for side chaining is really helpful and important. Um, oh whoa! Because you can really feel the relationship between the kick and the bass. Oh whoa! Mm-hmm. Bass massage. Yeah, it really it's a back massage. Yeah, it's the best <laughs> best back massage you'll ever have. How good! Yeah, that thing's Sub-pack. really nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Good yeah, I, it's hard to like order it sometimes because I feel like they're always out of stock. 
I usually sit on a yoga ball when I'm producing, so but I'll, I'll have to have a, a spare chair. They make a book bag version, so you okay. can. Okay, oh, so yeah. you actually can wear it. You could wear it, yeah, and it's Bluetooth, <laughs> which is really fun on stage. You could wear it as you DJ too on stage. Oh my god, no, I don't think I could. I don't think I could manage that. I think oh, that would just change. be like one too many micro delays. I mix. It, I mix with maybe. the highs. I'm a high. Oh, okay. I'm a high end mixer. Okay, I respect mm. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's nerd out a little bit on some other things too. Yeah, um, I love your tracks. I honestly, to be honest, haven't really listened to a lot of your stuff until the past weeks. And I was like, I was just had it on Spotify on repeat, just kind of jamming out the other day. Oh, it's really, you. really dope, really good stuff. I've been a lot more into the techno house stuff lately. I was kind of like a funk, not not quite dubstep, but like funky bass junkie. And then recently cool. I'm like, I'm like really into the house stuff now. So but got you hooked on those straight rhythms. Yeah, the boots and the cats. I love them. Yeah. Uh, as far as like your production workflow, do you typically start with your synths? I know you're a big synth person. Or do you typically start with the drums? Like maybe you talk about your process, nerd out a bit. Mm-hmm. I start with drums usually. Uh, it's not entirely true. If I think of like a hook or a vocal line or um, an idea, I might start with something like a very rough sketch of something, but then normally it's drums and then I flesh out all the like um, drums and then bass and then flesh out the melodic parts around around all of that because, yeah, like just a little, maybe there's a little melody or a little hook line, but it will be like really skeletal, I guess. Um, and then I find it easier when there's rhythmic elements, I guess, so I don't drift tempo-wise too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, actually, and sometimes in the past, a lot of stuff has started with, it sounds really dorky, but like a poem or like a, a song idea, like actual, like I often actually write like song lyrics to a whole song and then I might record the vocal to get an energy again with some basic drums and then I might only end up using like some words like a couple of words sampled out of the whole vocal or I might end up singing it or I might end up just um using some of it as textures I got um advice really early on that if you like you can't afford synths and you sort of trying to carve your sound if you put your voice in everything that's something unique to you that you'll always have so that will be like a red thread that goes through all your music and I sort of took mm. that to heart and have basically done that there might be a couple that don't have anything in but even if it's just a breath or like yeah some kind of layered um tone like vocal tone as a as a synth sound I usually put that in so yeah but generally generally it's drums like kick and bass and get kind of a groove happening or like some kind of like because I feel like the bottom end really like supports everything and holds it up mm. um and then it's easier to build like you know the melodic line and then any kind of pads or chords as well yeah I guess occasionally yeah it sort of it does change because occasionally I'll have a chord um, progression that I really like and then I'll put that in first but yeah Yeah. very rarely when I ask this question on the podcast do people have the same answer like where Hmm. it's like yeah I always start with drums usually it's like yeah, I'll start with drums or I'll do this or I'll yeah. do this or I'll also do this. Yeah, I think that's just like the nature of like a creative avenue of like expressing yourself. It's like I, I would be bored, I think, if I started to track the same way every single day. Totally. So, yeah. But like having those different tools in your toolkit, like you do vocals, you're like really into synthesis. You're also like into just like a good four on the floor drum vibe type of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, Yeah. 
but that's cool. Um, do you have some favorite studio gear, like hardware sense or whatever that you can't live I, without? Yeah, I like, I haven't gone, I was going to go and unplug it and get it. I have a, um, a Cyclone Analogic T, I think it's a TB or TT, TB, 303. Sounds... It's a 303 clone. Oh, it's okay. like, yeah, it's like a fake 303. And at the time when I got it, which is some years ago, they've changed it now. But at the time they were like really not ashamed of like, hang on, wait, I'll go and get it. Yeah, do it. Terrible, terrible for podcasts, but fine for the video. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. They really weren't ashamed of like copying the exact look. Oh, wow, that so looks a lot like the 303. Yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. TT303 base bot. And it's like just awesome. And it it feels kind of cheap and plasticky. And it, <laughs> um, it, but it sounds really sick. And if you like run it through some pedals and distortion or like, mm. um, even like a beautiful reverb, it can have like a really eerie sound. And I really like the way the the sequencer works in it. Like I really, this is one of the first things I got. I got it as a, it was actually a Christmas gift from an old boss. Oh, that's a nice gift. Uh, it was like my Christmas bonus. He was like a um, music person too. That's cool. And um, yeah, so I learned it really well. And I think that's the thing, like when, because I've got a few other synths, I've got like a Blofeld that I really want to play with, which is like wavetable synthesis, but I'm only just mm. getting into that. And until you like really intimately know how everything works on it, I think you can't really get the full impact of the instrument. So I think yeah. that's my, that's my favorite one. It's in like most of my music. That's awesome. You probably have, you have like way more expensive sense all around you, but you're like, I like this cheap plasticky thing. They're like, yeah, I mean, yeah. that, that goes to show is like, just, I feel like it's so important for people to really learn the gear they have rather than just constantly scaling to something totally. new, you know? It's so easy to do, to be like, oh, when I get this like next one, like when I get this like really awesome thing, it will yeah. be like, um, my music will be better. But then, right. yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't mean that necessarily. So, um, yeah, I think it's like a subconscious excuse to like not learn what you already have and like go deeper to what already exists in the box. I think it's totally. like, it's just this weird mental thing I hear a lot. Yeah, mm, that's totally. good. Oh, and another one that if you can find one cheaply, it's a rack mount one. Um, it's a Roland JV2080. It's my other favorite thing. Okay. It's like a 90s. Um, apparently, it was like a studio standard in the 90s. And you can hear like all the drums. It's like um, kind of sample-based synthesis. Like it's quite digital. You, you you recognize the drums from like Prince records and stuff because it's just like the one that every studio had, but it's also got like really awesome, like ethereal kind of pads. There's not a lot you can, you can't change the sounds that much aside from like their effects. There's not like, you know, ADSR type controls, but oh, yeah, that's okay. also really cool. It's got some dope like marimbas and stuff. And I picked that up pretty cheaply, but I think they're starting to get more expensive in Berlin anyway, but. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, Roland JV. I've heard of it. I haven't actually yeah. had the pleasure of playing with it. Yeah. Sounds like a fun toy. Yeah, I don't know. I've been trying to really stay in the box these days and like almost mm. as a challenge to myself. And I know that's something you did. There was an interview um, with an article on Ableton's website talking about how you did a project abandoning like your hardware and you just used like Wavetable. Yes. And like in the box stuff. Yes, it that was awesome. I... Sorry, was there a question? I no, there was no question. I was just making an observation. <laughs> well, yeah, because I was in Australia and it was like COVID and we were stuck because we we delayed our flights and then we kind of wanted to come back because it, 
had been six months living with my parents and um, we couldn't get a flight and it was, yeah, pretty hectic. So, and then Ableton contacted me for this project and I really wanted to do it. And also because it was an Ableton project, I thought, right, okay, I'm going to do everything in the, in the box. And I think for me, the benefit of synthesizers is just like, once you've recorded it, it's there. You can't like keep tweaking it indefinitely. So I had to be like quite strict with myself to not like keep going back and like finessing in inverted commas right. all the sounds because I think you can like I, I I can overdo it if it's um all in the box that was really mm. fun and I did like tutorials on how to make like an acid sounding thing and I mean I, it didn't turn out the way, <laughs> the way it did on the guys I did it two times and I got two completely different sounds so oh nice <laughs> obviously something wasn't right that I was doing but um but that was cool so I did that in just like the normal um analog synth and then um I used a lot of the wavetable sounds and that really highlighted to me as well that I should take my own advice and learn my ableton a bit better because there's so much in there now like mm-hmm. when I started in like 2007 2008 it was not as it is now obviously like yeah. very obvious but um yeah. but yeah I hadn't like gone back and learned it and I like started to dig around in like Max for Live, which is just mm. a whole nother crazy wormhole. The black hole. Yeah. God, if I, I didn't have it. if I didn't have like children and other things to do with my time, I would be like in there. <laughs> well, maybe when your kids get old enough, you can just teach them Max for Life. And that would be like totally. a fun family bonding night, you know, totally. family game night. We're playing with Max Go, for like, Life. Diving for like sequences and like weird. Yeah. Yeah. You can have them play with the uh, Inspired by Nature pack. It has little bouncy balls that are fun to look at. Maybe they'll enjoy oh, yeah? that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I've seen that, actually. Tree Tone and the Bouncy Balls one. I, I, th- I don't know if it's awesome. called Bouncy Balls, whatever that bouncy one is. Yeah, no, there's so many packs, too. Like, I feel like I'm always discovering new packs. It seems like there's every so other much. week, there's a lot of stuff in there. There was a new one today you might really appreciate that uh, was released yesterday actually i woke up to an email do you know slink are you familiar with him he's a funky bass artist producer here in this uh, actually from canada i think he's from canada okay uh but he basically took the shaper uh which yep. is that max Verlai device and he yep. it's like the shaper on steroids he kind of hacked it and created his own max for live device out of it with a couple other people and it's like the best side chaining gate ducking device i've ever found Okay. And he cool. like he compares it against like all these other plugins, LFO tool and everything else. You should it's free. So you should check okay. it out. I'll send you a link in an email. Yeah, it's called it's just uh, they have like oh sorry. Duck Buddy. Yeah. Duck Buddy. Okay, yeah. cool. They've just like provided so many opportunities for like people to nerd out and do cool stuff, haven't they? Like yeah. Well, it's nice because it has a pop-up window. It's like really visualized, or it's a mm. it's like a good visualizer, and then you can also view other tracks that you're routing Mm -hmm. into it so Mm -hmm. you have like a really good visualization of like the track that's being sidechained or ducked with the kick for example so you can really see on a detailed view exactly where the kick is like causing the bass to get out of the way and you can draw it in it's really nice cool Mm. yeah do you have a favorite max live devices that you use you want to shout out maybe no do you know what i've recently um but my my macbook met the floor in a sudden in a sudden impact and i um sad yeah Yeah, i I had to get a new one and i at the same time i was upgrading from 10 to 11 something's happened and all my max for life things have disappeared and i'd like just started sort of getting to know them there was that and there was oh yeah no there was another like 
I was having fun with a lot of these polyrhythm things and um, yeah, sequences because I love sequences. I love having something do something that is maybe a bit unpredictable because I Mm. guess with like my ear, I tend towards certain melodic ways. So it's nice when something like takes that out of my control a bit and does something a bit unexpected. So yeah, yeah, I was really looking at, had a lot of different sequences, but they're all gone. That's sad. I'm sorry for your loss. Mm. Okay. It's okay. It could have been much, it could have been so much worse. Yeah. (laughs) No, I, the same exact thing happened to me and it was the update, I think from eight to nine, my lap, my laptop, I woke up to a very probably shouldn't say this on the podcast but you know i'm not i don't care i i ended up accidentally having way too much to drink this is like post-college days right Mm -hmm. i I like to think i've grown up since then i thought my laptop was the toilet in the middle of the night after too many drinks and i ended up urinating on my laptop and it was oh my god (laughs) oh my god i thought thought it was the toilet i literally oh my god that is you like that's that's pretty wow yeah i was it it was pretty bad it was pretty bad i I had a friend who puked into her laptop because it was (sighs) in her bed and she was really drunk but like urinating is another like level of intent those are both pretty bad yeah Yeah, they're both pretty insurance isn't covering it no no i took it to the apple store and he's like your motherboard's really corroded what happened and i was like (laughs) yeah so anyway i understand i understand what it's like to lose a laptop you gotta back that up um yeah that's actually yeah. why I like Splice. I don't know if you ever use Splice. I haven't. Like, it's a free backup for your projects, basically, is the what I use uh, it for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that the one? Is that the thing that you um that was like encouraging you to sort of like collaborate with people yes. online? Yep. Yeah, that, yeah that I was reckon I tried original. that back in the original mm-hmm. time. Yeah, it's come a long way. Yeah. I don't like it for collaboration just because some of the like file sharing can be a little bit wonky and weird, mm. but but it is great. It's a free backup in the cloud yeah. every time you save a project. And they have a huge uh, library of sounds and samples, which yeah. some, pe- some people like. Yeah. I mean, when you're producing, do you have a folder of samples that you always use? You try to like get out of the box and play with like new sounds regularly or? I use a, for drums, I usually use samples. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have some from, there's a local Berlin guy, um, who does them as sound provider and they're awesome. Okay. And I also have a lot of these gold baby ones, um, which maybe, you know, I think that's a New Zealand, um, sample thing and they do like sort of tapey kind of, um, like classic MPC kind of sounding uh, drums. That's cool. Um, but the sound provider ones has, he's got like this guy, I think his name's Leonard. He's got like all these amazing drum machines and he's sampled them himself painstakingly. Um, and my friend, um, La Fresher, who I did a, I did a collaborative track with her a while ago. Um, but we played on the same parties and stuff here in Berlin for a while. She's a French techno girl. Um, she also does a live show with him anyway. So she like showed them to me. And the main ones that I love are from this MFB tons bear, which means like dance bear. It's a, type of um drum machine here and i've been eyeing it off for ages and the drum machine itself is like a thousand euros um but the samples are very very good and he takes a lot of samples from like you know different length hits and stuff and um this looks cool i'm looking at it right now sound provider Uh, tons bear the uh tons bear yeah yeah it's sick it's a sick 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 drum machine this looks fun my friends have one but they're all like and i've been sort of thinking about it and thinking about it and i was looking online and they're all sold out like across europe now so even if i could somehow that's when you know it's good 
Yeah, totally. That's totally. Because awesome. I'm thinking about, I'm trying to do like a one in one out and think about what I can sell here to like make room <laughs> for that because I don't have any drum machines that I really like at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love using those. I use them and I'm usually, I usually put them in a drum rack and I put um, the kick on a separate one and then the rest of the sounds in a drum rack and work like that with the push or penciling Same. things in. Um, yeah, me and too. then actually like, it's not, I don't, I think there's definitely a better way to do it, but then I end up like copying the, the tracks and like soloing each instrument so that I can affect them separately. Yeah. 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 What I, I do. I think you can do like thing. separate outs now. Yeah. Yeah. You can. I do a similar mm. thing. Uh, I'll program and basically play the entire track for the most part in one drum rack. And then if mm. you go to the chain in the drum rack, you can right click and choose extract chain. I'll extract all of them and then treat them that way if I need to. Ah, extract. Okay. I've not, mm-hmm. I've not seen that. I'm still doing it. You know, like old habits die really hard when oh, you're like same. Yeah. used to doing it in a one way. And um, yeah, I, I've That's been doing funny. like some coaching and stuff when people come and like see my session. That was also the thing with the Ableton thing. I'm like, oh my God, everyone's going to be able to download my session. I better just like try and be normal. <laughs> not <laughs> what have, like, is, what is clean normal it up a little though? Bit. Really? Yeah, I know. Totally. Yeah. totally. Normal is subjective. Yeah, but not have like 75 tracks and like, you know. Yeah, no yeah. groups. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I also like was careful to tidy up my vocals so there wasn't like some funny background noise at the end asking just... my dad for eggs for breakfast <laughs> or something. <laughs> Your air conditioner is just like blowing around. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah. 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 I go back and listen to tracks now and I was like, oh, what is that? What is that weird frequency noise? Something like that's. Oh, like, yeah. We've all done that. Totally. You've got to like, yeah, listening back to things. Mm-hmm. Going back to the drum thing, because I'm a drummer. Mm. I could literally talk about drums for the next 12 hours. But um, sure. do you ever play with the drum synth series like DS Kick or DS Snare? Do you know? I did for the first time this week. I did really? a DS Kick. How yep. was it? Yep. I liked it. I liked You'll, it a lot. And I, like I it too. had no idea about it. I don't know how I clicked onto it. Yeah. I, cause I'm, I'm working with this, well, the new computer and of course it doesn't have as much memory. And I thought that doesn't matter cause it's all on external hard drives, but like, so my whole, all my libraries have been messed up, which has actually been a real cool, like a blessing mm-hmm. because again, it throws you off your habits mm-hmm. and I didn't have my external hard drive and I, so I didn't have my kick folder that I would normally use. I was like, mm. oh, I just need to put a kick in. What can I do? And I found this DS thing. Where can I fun. find a kick? Yeah, I just need, <laughs> I just need a kick sound. Um, any kick. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice because you can really it shape is. it and dial it into key real fast because it tells totally. you the key. The pitch mm-hmm. thing is wicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 If try throwing a drum bus behind it. Okay. Like just right behind the kick and drive that crunch and uh, a little right. bit of a little bit of boom. Yeah. It's like, it's you're, you're going to get like a fan coming out of your speakers. It's a lot okay, of good. Okay. All right. And I need to have my bass. little like bass backpack on. Yeah. Then. Your sub pack. Like, just mm-hmm. Shoot off. Get a free massage. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. It'll blow you away. I'm going to strap down the chair. It'd be yeah. great. Well, I'd love to also talk a little bit about this track EMDR. Yeah. Part of that Ableton article I referenced it was really interesting. You were talking about how you experienced some like really crazy intense trauma mm-hmm. and how that really affected you. And almost I read something about like it was messing with your eyes or your your ability to like see or whatever. And then you so, wrote a song about that. 
yeah, kind kind of. You're almost, 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 almost there. It's a lot of information and a lot of like technical terms. So I, my 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 first birth, my first son was hideous and an emergency and stressful. I mean, it was like beautiful. He's born, he's alive, and we're all yeah. well. So that's like fantastic. But the actual process of it was like it went really south let's mm. just say and um i got ptsd which i didn't know that that can happen from childbirth but i didn't either apparently it is very common actually and sometimes wow. um people are like misdiagnosed with postnatal depression when actually they're just like they have ptsd so wow. i was having like anxiety attacks and couldn't go outside and just was very shaken up and nightmares, et cetera, et cetera. And my therapist suggested this thing called EMDR, which is this type of therapy. And again, I had not heard of it, but I've like spoken to a lot of people about it since. And it's just so cool. Basically they, I think some places in the U S have like a little light that goes back and forth, or they do with their fingers back and forth and you follow it with your eyes and you go through the experience, um, in a particular way while your eyes are moving in this rhythmic way. And at some point, they think, they don't know, they can't know, but they think that it puts your brain into some kind of um, almost like REM sleep state, like a different state, so that your mind can reprocess the events in a like more chronological or a more like file them away in an order. Because when mm. you've got like a trauma brain, this is like also I'm not a, not a doctor, but this is like my <laughs> understanding of it. Um, yeah. it. You sort of go around and you loop and you loop and you loop and you can't maybe remember the details of it because you dissociate or whatever at the time. Mm -hmm. But so you keep repeating it in your mind. And when you reprocess it this way, it like puts it all in your brain in like a way that your brain can look at it sensibly without the the stress. So then I can like, I can walk back into a hospital. Like I had a second child, like I suddenly the dreams were gone and I could sleep and it was just so amazing to me this process hmm. um that and this was one that started with like a poem and I wanted to do something about it I wanted to do a track about it yeah because music is always like part of my healing and expressing things and also I like talking about it because I want other people to know about it because I think it's some, an amazing of course it doesn't maybe work for everyone but what's it um, called again me, what's that treatment called EMDR so it's that's I, the name of the track yeah okay yeah gotcha. it's eye movement something D D huh. pro uh, I don't know. Yeah. Don't remember. We can Google it. Google <laughs> yeah, it. Perfect, if perfect spokesperson <laughs> for the, the treatment. No, that's interesting um, though. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And I've had some other friends who have had it since and have found it to be really helpful. One that worked in like an emergency. She was like in the emergency in the, in the hospital. Like she was actually a, a nurse and she had a lot of like uh, trauma from mm -hmm. things that she'd seen. And yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Really interesting. So I, yeah. So I did the track about that. Cause that was, I actually had that started for something else and I, but I kind of kept getting stuck. And so I had just the, the voice recorded and I just didn't know what I wanted to do with it. And then when they asked me, I thought that would be, hmm. it was just something that came, you know, like suddenly yeah. you can flesh it out and just suddenly was there. So that's fascinating not to go too far off topic of mm -hmm. your track or anything but i was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking and interviewing um a therapist who was talking about breakthrough research with mdma mm -hmm. and was talking about how like <clears throat> in professional settings with like a, a licensed therapist where they were specifically working with uh immigrants who experienced uh, ptsd and trauma and also veterans from who came yeah. back from war yeah and it's interesting to talk about your experience because one of the things they were saying is 
the the hardest part of overcoming that with PTSD people uh, is is actually being able to chronologically understand like what happened that caused that for them mm. and to be able to like be vulnerable enough and open up to actually share their experiences that helps them like react. And you mentioned, you said something similar as far as like yeah. being able to remember the timeline of how it happened and, and being able to like feel okay to talk about it. Yeah. It's weird. I have, I have heard that about MDMA. I think that was maybe one of the initial like clinical studies that they did with mm-hmm. it. Like why it was sort of in development mm-hmm. in you know, I don't know, yeah. 60s or whenever it was. Yeah, but it's becoming a huge thing now. Yeah. And there's a lot of clinical trials being done in the US right now around that, which I thought is interesting because it allows people to feel vulnerable. That's what totally. the drug the drug And really not helps. feel stressed when right. they're like um, reliving. Yes. Because when you go through something like that, you like relive it every time you think about it. Like and yep. your body has the like physical reaction that you had mm-hmm. at the time. You know, like the stress comes back up and you get hot and like whatever. But that's why this is cool because you're not actually, you don't actually talk about, you don't even need to talk about the events. It's like colors. It's like what's coming up now. And you say like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing like, and I would see purple. I'm like, why am I seeing purple? What's that? And then that's that's like, was the color of a a bruise, you know, like, but your brain picks out like, and then it picks out a smell or it picks out a specific sound. Like, and it just, these like little fragments come together. So you're not actually like, it's so weird. That's so I think you can only like experience it. I I just, yeah, that's very wild. bizarre. Yeah. yeah, if the color machine made noise, it'd be fun to sample that. Put that yeah. in the track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> be cool. Um, so we talked about some favorite scents. We talked about your music production. That's a really cool story. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. But also, I'd like to talk about your labels, Night Tide, and your sister label, Bermuda Series. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that get started? Well, Night Tide, I was making music and I wanted to put it out and I had like feedback from labels that like really didn't, um, you know, I'd send a track and the hi-hat wouldn't be quite right for the label or something wouldn't be quite right or it wouldn't be epic enough. I got that feedback once, not epic enough. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) Thanks for the specifics. Yeah. And I just thought I I really want to put this music out and I just want to just do it and I want to celebrate like beauty in electronic music and I had some other music that I heard that just it just wasn't going to make it out if I didn't do it myself um and or I felt like that I was impatient and so I did that and I've done that with just yeah some of my own music some other releases over the years and it's all very like relaxed and then Bermuda series the original idea for that was that it was going to be because night tide I did vinyl um initially for everything and Bermuda series was going to be just um digital stuff and all music produced by um women and um female femme identifying um producers and musicians and sort of um do it as a digital thing so I could be a bit more reactive and a bit less um reliant on finances and making sure things were going to work on a dance floor. I just wanted to put stuff out and like, let it be, let it come out exactly how it was. So yeah, that was like the initial idea for them. Um, I really wanted to do more in the last couple of years, but time has just escaped me. Yeah. It's not like you had two (laughs) Um, kids or anything. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) totally. And like, Um, also like producing and stuff. So yeah, I just, when I hear something that I really like and I feel like I can do a good job of it and really like promote it and, um, it will go well in my sort of networks without Mm. too much external input. I put it out. Um, 
I've got a couple of things sort of waiting in the sidelines that I'm thinking about doing. But okay. yeah, you gotta like you gotta say no to say yes. <laughs> yeah, actually, there's a, a very successful businessman that happens to be a good friend of my family, and one of the things he told me is, is you know, that you're becoming more successful when you can start saying no. And I was like, that's really good. That's true. Yeah. Mm, mm. So yeah. Yeah. But uh, there will be something. There's actually something coming out. And I'm trying to decide whether to put it on Bermuda series or Night Tide at the moment. Probably Night Tide. I think I'm going to push everything over into Night Tide because I started doing digital there. Yeah. Um, because just yeah. final now. I just it's so hard and there's so many delays. And also like, I don't know, the environment. I feel like. Uh, I don't know. I'm just getting more and more guilt about like vinyl and and things like hoarding stuff and <laughs> vinyl they last guilt. 300 years and yeah, I'm uh, sure there's like there's eco ways of doing it. Anyway, I'm I'm digressing. Um, no, that's fine. I did a track that I had in a demo folder, and this amazing Russian filmmaker called Lily contacted me about some music for something, and I was like, oh yeah, just choose anything out the demo folder. I can't do any. I can't change it or edit it. I'd like but you can use whatever you want. And she's made this beautiful film with this gorgeous, like choreographed dancer <clears throat> through a warehouse to that's one of these cool. tracks. So that's going to be in some, hopefully some film festivals later this year. And so I'm okay. going to put that track out and I got locked groove. Who's a Belgian um, producer, friend of mine. I did a remix swap with him and he's done an orchestral um, arrangement of it, that's which cool. is like beautiful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's gonna, there's gonna, there is gonna be something. I've just got to finish the artwork and then um that'll be out, I guess, November. Probably very cool. Yeah, I'll be looking Let's forward see. to that. Mm. Sounds great. Yeah, it sounds like mm. you have some really interesting collaborations in the pipeline. Um, do you normally before you release something uh have like a group of people that you get feedback from, or do you just kind of vibe it out and you listen to it and then you're like, this is done, and you just put it out without really sharing the it dance with other people. floor the dance floor was my feedback i yeah yeah do you know what i like i recommend that people have that person or those people i think i used to but now i don't now i'm mm. like no that's finished because yeah. also like quite often i would send stuff to people and be like what do you think and they'd be like oh this part sucks and i'd be like no you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> so um uh. instead of like disagreeing with people no i don't anymore that's funny yeah. it's interesting you ask that no yeah i mean the I label of personally. course if it's right out. right yeah mm. they definitely want to hear it before it comes out i imagine <laughs> yeah <laughs> like surprise yeah, yeah. I, I i'm kind of on both sides like i have a group of people that i share it with but i also typically ignore a lot of their feedback yeah. <laughs> so anyway yeah. the end of the day yeah. it's whatever you want it to be I mean, yeah, I do like my partner, um, Tristan, he also is DJing and producing and stuff. And so he inevitably hears stuff and occasionally he'll like make a comment, but it, that's kind of like showing something to your mom because he just thinks everything's fantastic that I do, which is exactly like <laughs> the support you need from your partner. But. Thanks. Yeah. That's definitely my mom. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's like, it's awesome. I'm like, cool. Yeah. But that's awesome. <laughs> it's good to have that support though. Everybody needs totally. a big fan. Yeah. Totally. Super, super fan. Um, I saw you did an event with your Patreon on formatting music to submit to labels. Um, mm. And are you still pretty active with your Patreon these days? It's on and off at the moment. So it like people can still join. And I'm basically at the moment pausing the billing every second month or for a couple of months and then popping back up. So I'm still like putting content on there. But um, 
I'm not uh, like it's not as regular. So mm. so if you sign up at the moment, it's like basically free um, oh, until cool. I decide that I feel like charging again. And then I give people a warning. I'm like, okay, it's going to be, you know, um, this next month. I yeah. do do like coaching on there, but that's all booked up at the moment. I've got as many people as I can manage, but it does say on there as well. If you want to do something, send me an email because um, I'm really horrible at saying no when I talk to people personally. And I also love to hear what people are doing. So maybe I can like fit more in, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So sort of yes and no. I love, I love the Patreon. It's really cool. It's really cool. It's been, it like yeah. saved me last year. It was so amazing to get to know some people and like yeah. be surprised. And I don't know, like, cause you see people listen to your music all over the world on the Spotify stats and you see people like on the dance floor at the gigs, I guess. But something about like talking to these people that were in their homes that were just like really wanting to know what you're doing and like how it all happens and that have your records like yeah yeah you know it felt so good in such a like yeah. poopy time <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a real thing everybody's stuck at home it's nice to connect with fans on a different level than just like a little emoji on social media you know so it, totally. having that having that connection with them on a deeper level i think is is not something a lot of artists experience on the regular no, and it's like opened up to some collaborations actually, which is cool. And I want to do more of that with like people on there that want to. Like one um person has made like made a video to one of the tracks and then we like released it properly with the um with the release and did like another one did like um uh, he also did a like a website thing because he's a programmer, which is cool. And yeah, um I've listened to like a lot of people's music and yeah, I've seen some other um uh, people that have Patreons, this Martin, um, they did like compilations with all people on the, on the, yeah, on the Patreon as well, That's like cool. music from all the members and stuff, which would be very cool. Interesting. Again, like if I had a million hours in the day, <laughs> yeah, all the things I would do. I'm, I keep telling people I'm working on a time machine. Someday it's going to yeah. be done, but that would be nice someday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Emma, it was super good hanging out with you. I want to respect your yeah. time. Speaking of time. Oh, um, yeah, sure. It's been over an hour, but this has been fun. Good talk. Gosh, it went really fast. <laughs> yeah, it really did. But appreciate all the music you're putting out. You're obviously working hard on a lot of projects, but it's really dope. So keep doing what you're doing. Really appreciate you. Thank you. I almost forgot. Where's the best place for people to connect with you online if they want to? Uh, we mentioned Patreon, but socials, whatever. Patreon is cool. Um, Instagram, I like. Yeah, probably Instagram. I try and take little breaks from my social media though because it makes me a little bit crazy. So I um, yeah. So don't don't be offended if I um, don't reply immediately. I usually mm -hmm. like get back to things. But yeah, Instagram, Patreon are probably the best ones. I'm occasionally on Twitter or like or Spotify. Help me in my algorithm and <laughs> like listen to my stuff on Spotify. Yes. Put me in a playlist. That's, That's right. Like, yeah, support the artists with those little scents. Yeah, I boosted your streams yesterday, so hopefully that helped Legend. a little bit. But I'll Thank include you. everybody listening, as always, I'll include all those links in the show notes. Thanks again for hanging out. Um, yeah, we'll be in touch. I'll see you later. Cool. Okay, bye. Bye.
Big thanks to Emma for hanging out in the podcast. Make sure you go follow her, like, subscribe with all the links in the show notes that I've included for this episode. Uh, Once again, if you guys could follow, like, or comment wherever your favorite podcasting platform is, it would really help me out. I'd super appreciate it. Share it with your friends, your mom, anybody else you meet that uses Ableton. Much love to everybody out there listening and supporting. Big thanks again to Emma. Uh, Once again, if you want to be the first to get new episodes, then join the newsletter. We'd love to have you on the list. And uh, you can do that by going to liveproducersonline.com slash newsletter. Also, if you want to own the latest version of Ableton Live and save some money doing it, go to liveproducersonline.com slash buyableton. That's liveproducersonline.com slash buyableton. Save some money. Get Ableton 11 right now. It's the best thing ever, and you won't regret it. So yeah, thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. I will see you next time. Most episodes are released on every Tuesday, so check back then. See you soon. Bye-bye.